You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast coming to you for the first time ever with us in the same room. And close quarters. Close quarters. We're, <laughs> we're very close. Uh, we're, you know, it's, we didn't have like a really great place to film this. So we just came down and packed into my one man studio. So you saw the movie Tommy Boy, right? Oh, I love Tommy that Boy. That guy in a little coat. Yeah, like, I, right. I feel like this is the two person version of that statement I, I love that i love anything anything chris farley so yeah tommy boy great movie great reference i don't want to touch the mic too much either because like if i put it too far maybe it'll come out but hey listen we have a lot to talk about you know we're getting uh a little bit uh we're trying to figure things out so bear with us on the fly here i didn't open up uh you know all of our our little tabs because i usually don't have to worry about anybody else being in the studio with me shout buffalo bills football podcast brought to you by tops friendly markets your neighborhood store with more Tops Fresh Burger Bar. You've heard me say this quite a bit recently, and I hope you've tried it if you're in Buffalo. I saw some people saying that, oh, I wish I had a Tops on the West Coast. Well, when you get back out to Buffalo, there's a football season coming up. Head over to Tops, and they got a, the Fresh Burger Bar with over 30 varieties of beef, turkey, chicken, plant-based, and gourmet blend burgers ready to grill. Tops Fresh Burger Bar has you smiling all summer long. You were at the Buffalo Zoo today. I was at practice today. You've obviously combed through all uh, of the coverage online. What stood out to you? You know, I'm, I'm going to start with F.A. Obata. Uh, F.A. Obata was a player that I was a little bit worried about after the Bills drafted Gregory Rousseau and, and Carlos Boogie Basham because there's already a lot of talent on this line. But I, I was really encouraged by what I heard from Leslie Frazier today when he was kind of seeing Obata's praises. Uh, saying they like the versatility, the depth that he brings to this team. And no one has a better story on this team than F.A. Obata. Trafficked as a child with his sister from the Netherlands to the U.K., uh, gets picked up by social services there, doesn't try to play professional football until the age of 22, and now he is on an NFL roster. So a, a player that is easy to root for and, and someone that I would like to see make this roster just because, like Leslie Frazier said, has the play, uh, ability to play defensive end, but also kick inside to defensive tackle on passing downs. 
And we actually got a chance to talk to Leslie today. And he was, it, it was perfect timing because sometimes it happens like that when you're talking to coaches where something just occurred and they could talk about it fresh in their mind. And coming off the practice field yesterday, he just thought, I want to check in with F.A. because he's new. I want to see how things are going. We're now in the second day, third day of training camp. How how is everything? How is he getting comfortable with what they're asking him to do? And he said, Coach, listen, what's what, what's really, you know, what I'm really excited about is I want to get pads on. I want to go out there and hit somebody. And I think that and use that power. And if watching practice today and I kind of try to zero in on him, especially on those early morning um uh, press conferences when I'm able to get some good uh, feedback from the coaches. I like to focus in on those players so we can kind of get an idea of take something from what they're saying to the practice field. And there was one rep in particular where Obata was just an absolute animal. I can't remember off the top of my head now who the rep was against. I got to get that up on the other side of the screen uh, so during these observation shows, but it was just an unbelievable power bull rush. And he just moved the guy. And that's the type of thing that they're talking about. This is a guy that not only can come in here and be the versatile piece, but also that, you know, people mover. Star Latule is going to be the space eater. Maybe Effie Obata could be the people mover. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. And listen, once the pads come on, that's when the real football starts. So we have all seen our fair share of players who have looked good in the spring, who have looked good without pads on. And then all of a sudden when the pads come on, you don't hear their name as much. They're not making the same amount of plays. So F.A. Obata sounds like he's just chomping at the bit, waiting for that opportunity. Uh, someone to really keep your eye on tomorrow at, at practice. If you're going to be there at the stadium, obviously a, a big opportunity for Bills fans to pack the stadium to see this team. So you know, good for Obata. It sounds like he's transitioning well here and really excited to see what he can do when the pads come on. Welcome into Shout A Buffalo Bills football podcast. Thank you so much to our loyal, loyal live viewers. If you're watching on YouTube, smash that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can see Ryan over on his phone now. He's retweeting it out on Twitter. So people know that we're live and we're in, you're right, we're in the same building. I'm seeing some uh, people saying, wait a second, they're together. We are. Ryan's going to be out at practice with me tomorrow. The duo will be covering the live practice. 35,000 tickets tomorrow. That's wild. It's going to be wild. It's going to be unbelievable. And I saw a, a, a clip uh, put out from, uh, I think it was NFL Network. Kim Jones was, uh, who's been a guest on our show before. She was out of practice today. And she was talking to Sean McDermott. And she was asking him about the 35,000 fans in attendance. And you couldn't pry the smile off his face. I mean, mm -hmm. it just just being around that again. I mean, we all we talked about the sixty seven hundred last year in the two playoff games and what that meant. But thirty five thousand in that stadium tomorrow. I mean, it's probably going to be shaking when they come onto the field, and it's just a training camp practice. Yeah, it's going to be huge, and I think this is going to be a welcome to Buffalo introduction for Gregory Rousseau, someone we can talk about today because he made your observations again. Uh, Boogie Basham, the offensive lineman, uh, and, and even some of these second year players that didn't get that full experience. Like you said, yeah, th there were a couple thousand fans here for playoff games, but when, when there's 30 some thousand people there tomorrow, it's going to be loud. And a lot of these newer players are finally going to get a, a good feeling of what it's like to play for Buffalo and play for this fan base. Uh, you know, no fan base more passionate in Buffalo than, or, or in the NFL, I should say, than in Buffalo. You see that? I did. He's back. 
This little fly has been living in this space. I cannot get him. Somebody said I need a bug zapper. And so maybe I'll, I'll have to get one of those little like things that will hang it up on the wall there over there. Go. All right. So I want to get to my, my lead from my observations today because I think this is really worth diving into. There's so many areas of it I want to cover here. But Cody Ford uh, sat at the podium today and we got a chance to really talk to him for a few minutes. And in person, these interviews in person are, are completely different. It's almost like we're we're experiencing something again for the first time it's something that it's even better than it was before because you know you take so many things for granted and just being back in front of people you feel the human side of this a little mm. bit more and so we got a chance to sit down with Cody Ford today and it was perfect timing because I'd actually seen him make an unbelievable play on the practice field they're easing him back in we talked to Sean at the beginning of training camp about how they want to you know be careful with a guy like Cody Ford and Zach Moss coming off of, you know, injuries that re re required rehabs. They don't want him, you know, too much too soon. And obviously the pads aren't out yet, but I've been watching to see how he's moving out there. And today I, I thought on multiple occasions, I thought there was quickness, there was activity. And for a guy who played right tackle for the first chunk of his, and I mean, that speed, that quickness is never going to be an issue inside. And I think that's why he could potentially be so good there if they find a home for him. But today, the big play was against Ed Oliver. And Oliver has been really strong so far in the first couple of days. He had a couple rough plays today and the brawl, which we could talk about as well, which I don't know how, even how much of a brawl it was. It was so quick. But Ed Oliver versus Cody Ford, one-on-one, -on -one, no pads. So obviously some context there. But a rep that Cody Ford won without a shadow of a doubt was able to drive him into the turf and the size of Cody Ford on the inside is something that I think you have to be excited about. And if that mobility is there at this stage, and again, I want to see the pads come on before I, I go full because of what they want Cody Ford to be. Yeah. And listen, from the second he was drafted, draft analyst said, this is a guy that projects better at guard than tackle, but the bills wanted to give him an opportunity there. So even the analyst said long-term his best spot might be at guard. And the fact that the bills have an opening there, uh, I still feel like John Feliciano has one spot locked down, but there's still the opposite spot, and, and Ford is looking the part so far. High draft pick. If he keeps playing well, he, he will be the favorite to claim that other spot, whether it's at left guard or right guard, uh, and it's really encouraging. And, and in your piece, Matt, you also talked about a coach that he worked with over uh, during this rehab process. Why don't you tell the people at home a little bit more about that? Yeah, so you know, they started off the press conference talking about the the struggle that he had sitting out last year you know a lot of times you you have a player that suffers a season any injury and he's like okay you know take some time off get back in the workout room the rehab room physical therapy whatever you have to do but the thing about it is you don't think especially a season like last year where the bills had so much success dealing with not being a part of that was really difficult for Cody. And this is a young player that put so much in the the first two years of his career, you know, being, you know, being very flexible with what the bills wanted to do with him. It didn't work out at right tackle. Okay. Move me inside. I'll play this side. I'll play that side. I'll play any guard spot that you want me to do. And then there's, you know, to have a team goal, like winning the AFC uh, East title for the first time this century and not being a part of it, it affected him. And, you know, he had to kind of go back to the drawing board. He knew the rehab that was sitting in front of him and he, he linked up with a mental health coach and somebody that, you know, he made a good point. Somebody just unbiased, you know, a lot of times in our lives, friends or coaches, you know, 
they have they have a uh, you know the emphasis is on 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 helping you and being there for you, and sometimes they won't tell you what that you, what you want to hear. And going to somebody where he can kind of let his feelings out a little bit, it's so timely with what's going on at the Olympics right now with Simone yes. Biles and, you know, obviously different situations here, but, you know, Cody said that he kind of lost his reason, you know what I mean? And his reason was, you know, he lost his grandfather before he ever played a, a college football game and his grandfather never got to watch him play. And so he always stepped foot on a, on a football field with that in mind, you know, wanting to, you know, respect his grandfather's memory by how, how good he played and how, how much effort he gave. And so he spent a lot of time. He said he's, he's found his why he comes in with a new mentality, a new chip on his shoulder. And that's all great news because this is a guy that if you're talking about talent and, you know, physical intangibles alone, this guy is go back to the draft. This is a guy that a lot of people thought was going to go in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of mock drafts had him in late first round pick. And it, it's really interesting to think about, like you said, with the Olympics going on, Simone Biles, there are those mental hurdle, hurdles that players go through in all sports. And it, it's something that I think that uh, the, the fans are, are starting to hear a little bit more about and they'll understand a little bit more. So good for Ford for taking that step, being able to kind of clear his head. He said that now when he gets onto those practice fields, he can put everything else going on in his life you know, off to the back burner and he can focus solely on football when he's on the field. So it sounds like he's in a good place physically. It sounds like he's in a great place mentally. So really excited to see what he can do this year. Yeah. I'm just marveling at us sitting next <laughs> to each other. Somebody actually uh, mess or uh, commented in the chat that it's, it's kind of jarring seeing you guys in the same room because it's usually split up by uh, the thing. So that's interesting. Let's get to Greg Rousseau because there was a couple of plays today. There was one portion of practice where they were doing some one-on-ones, probably getting ready for pads to come on. I'm not, I still don't know if pads are going to be on tomorrow. I'm assuming that they are. I've not covered a training camp yet where the, the pads didn't come on by the fourth day. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how Sean McDermott chooses to uh, handle that. But um, that's a good question, by the way, who's on the trade block before cuts uh, with the oh, Wyatt Teller. Yeah. Let's get into that. Some guys that we may uh, in a little while, maybe some guys that, could be uh trade fodder or trade um targets for other teams on this roster because it is a deep roster and when you build a roster like this it's the point of that is to be able to kind of flip some of these players that you know you're not going to use to for draft picks so we'll get into that in a little while a little while i wrote about it today i went in today's observations piece talent i told myself i was standing next to some media guys on the sideline and i said i'm not writing about greg Rousseau today because i think sometimes you get into this habit of you know somebody t- said you're, you're 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 providing too much dane jackson hype and i <laughs> and i, and I don't want to overhype these guys especially a raw rookie defensive end and so um but there's things that are popping from rousseau that i just i i just can't ignore and i and i and i want to make sure fans know for a guy that i think there was a lot of question marks when the bills drafted him he to this point is performing so much better than I think anybody could have anticipated based on the draft stuff. And so there was two plays today, first and one-on-ones. Daryl Williams, unfortunately, was on the other end of it again. All Greg Rousseau's big moments I've noticed that this camp have been against Daryl Williams. And listen, it's a vet. It's very early in camp. When the when the pads come on, I would imagine that the, the competition gets a lot more interesting there. But it was one-on-one drills, and it was uh, he's using this chop. And they – if you watch some of the video that I put out, I think it was yesterday on the defensive lineman, you see them kind of working uh, on those drills where the, where the coach will hold the pad and they'll have to come in and swat it with a chop mm-hmm. move. 
Well, Gregory Rousseau is paying attention in those drills because on in the one-on-one, he came in, he chopped Daryl Williams' arm down, and he in so doing, and kind of an outside move to get around, Daryl Williams just face planted, just fell right to the mm. ground in the grass. Then a couple, uh, you know, halfway through the practice today, 11-on-11 drill, similar type of play against Daryl Williams where he came in and he just – his arms are so big that I think the force that he can generate with those arms, it's like, it's like hitting somebody with a baseball bat. And so you, you, you hit him with the arm. I know a lot of people are talking about arms in the air and, and getting in throwing lanes, the physicality that, you know, and he's still going to develop. I mean, that's a scary thought too. Another play where he, he used it and got out, got around probably would have been a sack. Um, it, it, just really impressive from Gregory Rousseau. Yeah, and like you said, he's fur- further along than anyone expects. And, and it's funny. I keep going back to what draft analysts said about uh, some of these players when they were first selected. I remember one analyst compared him to a, a baby deer, saying the way he moves around, it reminded him of that. He wasn't fluid. But what we didn't see is all the training he did last season when he opted out. So he probably put a lot of work into that in his movement, in his uh, the speed, the pass rush moves. It's the stuff that we didn't see. And, and even if he, his movement was a little awkward on the field and in his alone season at Miami, he still had 15 and a half sacks, 19 and a half tackles for loss. So he was doing something right uh, along the way there. So uh, the Bills might have had a diamond in the rough there uh, or found a diamond in the rough late in round one when they selected Gregory Russo. Sorry, I'm, I'm laughing because... Um... Somebody DM me and said, I'm cracking up at watching you guys on this video. It looks like me and a couple of buddies after a night of drinking, trying to cram into an Uber. <laughs> that's a that's, accurate description. That's fair. Yeah. And I will say, like I said, this is a one man studio. And I think Ryan could definitely one man this studio. So yes. I'm, I'm crunched in here. We're, you know, we're just, we're making, we're making the best of the situation. We wanted to bring you guys a show today. Uh, Ryan's in town and we're covering it tomorrow. Hey, we might, we might do this again tomorrow. Maybe we'll do it at the stadium. We'll see. Uh, we got to figure that out. So, all right. So Gregory Rousseau, let's get to the running backs a little bit. I mm-hmm. think that it's, it's worth talking about their day today. Um, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Antonio Williams, Matt Breida, all of them at least had one carry where you were like, wow, they're ready to go. That, that's my takeaway from the running backs is they're ready to get the pads on because you really can't tell, you know, what the running backs are really doing. Cause a lot of times they, they run these um, 11 on 11 drills with uh, with shells on at like 70%. So the, the defensive line is kind of just shifting. They're not actually penetrating or, 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 but the, 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 the today was a lot more physicality. I've talked about the Effie play, talked about the um, Daryl Williams play with Gregory Rousseau. And there was a couple of times where guys got through the line of scrimmage and um, followed their blocks. And that's one of the things we talked about too. So many times last year when I'm, I was going back and watching some of the film, it was a situation where guys were running into the backs of blockers. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you don't want to see this year as they try to figure out what kind of running team they were, were going to be. I will say the highlight running back play today for me was Antonio Williams. Unbelievable burst through the line of scrimmage. It, it flashed me back to the Miami performance. He's so deliberate. And I think that that's something that's going to continue to be – something that makes him stand out to the coaching staff. I know that a lot of people want to, you know, pen in Matt Breida into that spot. But I think the more I see of Antonio Williams, the more I just love what he brings to the table. It was a quick move. He he ran in between a really nice block uh, made uh, Jack Anderson and Ryan Bates, and he just zoomed right through the hole. It was a really nice play all along. The, the line executed, 
The running back made the play. Matt Breida was involved in the in the running game and the passing game today. Made a couple nice plays. So across the board, Devin Singletary looks noticeably bigger too. Yeah, he he put a lot of work in this offseason in terms of. of... Uh, getting that muscle mass and it showed there were some pictures on social media that he shared and you can see that the growth in terms of the size uh all these running backs bring some specific skill singletary although he doesn't have the extra gear he can make you miss he he can step back at, at a, you know a moment's notice and make someone fly right by him zach moss can can get those yards after contact brita we know for the speed but i've been saying since the spring don't forget about antonio williams this is a running back that the bills um, it was almost kind of running joke on Twitter to some fans last year when they would cut him, bring him back, cut him, bring him back, because it did feel like we were getting to double digit acquisitions of him being released, being brought back to the practice squad. But they liked this guy a lot. It was just a matter of, hey, we have an injury at position X. We need to sign a player at that position. We're going to bring you back. They kept him in Buffalo the entire year. He was he stayed in a hotel room until that roster spot would open back up. Then he was invited back. So they liked this player. In week 17, you saw why against the Miami Dolphins. I have said that I think he could be a sneaky addition and, and take Taiwan Jones's roster spot. Now, Taiwan Jones had some major praise a few practices ago when they called him an elite special teams player. It's not going to be easy, but Antonio Williams was the MVP of North Carolina in his final season there on special teams. So he does have some uh, playing time in that role. I think that when you look at the overall skill set of what he could become as a running back, you don't want the potential to lose that because uh, with injuries in the NFL, you know, a lot of teams burn through running backs and it'd be good to be able to have him on that roster if an injury occurred or if they were, uh, struggling running the ball, I think that he could be a difference maker in the run game this season. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about the, the secondary, uh, but before we do, let's get uh, some business out of the way here. Tops Friendly Markets, the official sponsor of Shout the Buffalo Bills football podcast. Spend more time enjoying everything that summer has to offer and less time worrying about getting to the store with Tops Pickup and Delivery. Shop for your groceries online, choose pickup or delivery, and Tops will bring the groceries right to you. Visit topsmarkets.com to get started. I want to talk a little bit about Trey White and Levi Wallace today. And, you know, not and a great point by our good uh, friend, Matthew Harmon, who's always live, uh, always in the live show, always active in the comments. Hit that subscribe button. If, if you subscribe on YouTube, you will get a notification every time we go live. And we are live after every Bills practice, all training camp long. Um, also hit that like button. It helps us get this, uh, out to as many people as possible. And this is, you know, listen, this is often imitated, but never duplicated. That's right. The shout Buffalo bills, football podcast, observation, practice show, you know, uh, not throwing any shade by any stretch of the imagination, but we were there. I was there. I'm bringing what we saw to you and I want you guys to get the good content. All right. So Levi Wallace and Tredavious white today. Both of them were made available um, to the media. We got a chance to talk to them after practice. couple observations from just those two things, and I'll get to some stuff on the field. The maturity, uh, you know this is a, a Dane Jackson show. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I dubbed him Action Jackson for a reason. I, I, I see him make a lot of plays out there. But I tell you right now, I really left today impressed with Levi Wallace. You know, He's always been a really mature guy. I think to do what he's done, given the circumstances he's been dealt with, you have to be a mature guy. But the the football maturity and the mindset, the unflappableness to him, he never 
you know, sometimes a lot of times in a, in a media scrum, you see the way that a guy kind of is fidgety a little bit. There's never that with him. He's, it doesn't matter what question you're asking him, what kind of uncomfortable topic comes up. I mean, every time he goes to the podium, he's asked about the competition that he's in probably. And I just was amazed at the, the way that he attacked this off season, the way that he entered camp and the fact that him and Dane Jackson were working out together all throughout since mini camp to now in Buffalo, Tredavious White was there for a few days. And I think he's done a great job learning from Tredavious White. And that's the football part of it. Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace at Pittsburgh and Alabama both were asked to play a lot of press coverage. And when you get to the NFL and you get in this Buffalo Bills, Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier defense, it's a, it's a, a lot of zone team. They mm. want you to play off, off coverage. And what Levi Wallace had to learn over the course of the last couple of years is, okay, Tredavious White does it probably better than anybody in the NFL right now because of what, how he's developed and matured. I got to study that. He's done that. But also realize from a football perspective, he can't emulate Tredavious White's skill set because Tredavious White's a 4-3, guy in the 40. Levi Wallace doesn't have that speed. So across the board from John Butler to Tredavious White to probably Josh Norman and EJ Gaines and all these other guys that you know have come in while Levi Wallace has been working to get better, he's learned how to be a better off-coverage cornerback. And I think that he is poised now. You know, Dane Jackson, as good as he's been, he's got a real fight on his hands against a guy that doesn't look ready to give this job up. Right. And, you know, Levi Wallace even said today, I'll still go to Trey White and say, you know, what are you seeing here? Uh, still goes for those tips and advice. But you're right. Go back to the start of his career. Oh, it's EJ Gaines' job. Oh, it's Kevin Johnson's job. It's Josh Norman's job. And every single time Levi Wallace has come up and taken that starting job. He's not a sports car. He, he's a family van. He's safe. He's reliable. You can count on him. He's like I said, he's, he might not make the amount of plays that a Trey white makes or a top cornerback makes in this league, but he's solid. He's a quality cornerback. And I feel like some bills fans uh, take that for granted just because of how often he is targeted by opposing teams because of who is across the field from him. You can do a lot worse in the NFL than Levi Wallace. So he does not want to give up this job. He came back. He said this year, he said, I wanted to come back because we're going to win a Super Bowl here. So he was big on that. He didn't care so much about any other teams that were interested in his services. He's dedicated to, to kind of finishing the job here in Buffalo. And I wouldn't be shocked if once again, he beats the odds and wins this job. Mm -hmm. And just Trey white play on the field, uh, pass breakup, one-on-one -on -one coverage with Emmanuel Sanders. And those, those pass breakups for a guy like Trey white, who doesn't play a lot of press coverage up in your face, man, on man is even more impressive when he's able to get into those one-on-one -on -one situations and make the plays. And it's just, you know, he's, he, it's just become routine. It's a lot of the same ways we talk about Josh Allen is, you know, Tredavious White is one of the best at his position mm -hmm. in the NFL. And, you know, when you have that on your defense, I think it raises everybody's game. What else do you want to talk about? Well, I actually wanted to get to that question that was okay, in here about players that could end up getting traded. I'm going to start at the linebacker position. Leslie Frazier said today, this is the best linebacker depth that we have had since I've been here. And I, I think that's true. I think there's a lot of players on this roster that can make plays for this team. The Bills traditionally have two linebackers on the field most of the time with uh, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. So they're not guys that you want to get off the field much. You have A.J. Klein, though, when you're in those three linebacker sets. And you're going to keep a few other players along that can play special teams and can come in if there's an injury. But 
I think there's a few linebackers there that could end up getting traded for a, a day three pick, a Tyrell Adams, if he doesn't make this roster. I still think there's some teams that might like what a Tyrell Dodson could bring to the table and Andre Smith from a special teams perspective. So those are just a few of many players. We've talked about Joe Giles Harris uh, in from Jacksonville. They signed him off of Jacksonville's t- uh, roster. And last year he had an opportunity to play at the end of the season and he really shined uh, in place of, I believe, Miles Jack. So new coaching uh, staff there, new regime brought in. He wasn't re-signed by that team. He's even a player that you might be able to get a a pick for across this league. Is, is there a position or a specific player for you that comes to mind? You know, I there isn't, but there's. Or, or I guess I should say I wouldn't trade him. But Mitchell Trubisky is one that I think mm-hmm. people have brought up today, and it's it's an intriguing conversation because – you know, you've seen the news out of Indianapolis, Carson Wentz going down today, and there being some uncertainty about how long he's going to be out. And I've seen a couple of people talking about the bug, so we're going to talk about him in a minute. Don't you worry, Matthew Harmon. Um, so I think it's it's intriguing because how high of a return can you get for Mitchell Trubisky? And I guess the higher it goes, the more interesting it is. But the problem is you brought him in here and you got and you and you didn't bring back Matt Barkley specifically because you wanted to upgrade your backup quarterback spot. Mitchell Trubisky came here for a reset year. You know, did he come in here for a reset three, four months? And I, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. And I think that the Bills want to, in a Super Bowl year like this, and they've been really lucky with Josh Allen that they haven't had mm-hmm. any big injuries. But I think it would it would take probably a first round pick. I don't know if a team would even be willing to give up a first round pick, especially a team like Indianapolis who just gave up a draft capital for Carson Wentz. What was the compensation there? I got to, I want to say third that turns into a second. If he plays a certain amount, or maybe it's a second that turns into a first actually. So they might not even have the capital, but then again, if he's injured, he wouldn't meet that criteria. Yeah. You know, I I don't see any NFL team offering a a first round pick for Mitch Trubisky, no matter how desperate they may be at that position. Uh, and, And like you said, he was brought here, for a reset year to learn the system, to play under Brian Dable, uh, because I think he knows that if Dable goes somewhere in 2022, that might be where I go as well and at least be that starter for the, for the short term. Uh, I, I don't see a scenario where that happens because like you said, he wants the reset year. The Bills want to upgrade the position. Yes, Matt Barkley's still out there, but then they're back to the same square one that they were at the last few years. And Barkley, when he was called upon and the Bills starters were on the field, they, they played fairly well, uh, but at the same time, they felt like they needed to upgrade that for a reason. So I highly doubt anything happens there. And then one other Matt Harmon question that was brought up here we saw before we started shooting. You were asking about the caps that the uh, offensive linemen were playing. They're called guardian caps. And a few years ago, before I was even with NYUpInSyracuse.com, I interviewed Mark Kelso. Uh, Mark Kelso is, is kind of it. Uh, a part of that company or, or was at one point in time in terms of helping them out. It, it helps to prevent concussions and players can wear them at practices. So pretty smart, not just to see uh, players that have a concussion history wearing them, but just everyone across the board, having them on, on the, the offensive line to protect themselves. You know, you don't want to lose anyone uh, at this point of the year. You obviously can't wear them during the regular season, but smart to have them on now. It, it's just a preventative measure to help protect against concussions. The Bills signed Bug Howard, tight end. And everybody in the chat wants to talk about it because tight end is just a position that I think Bills fans are just not thrilled with at the moment. And, you know, 
I think Dawson, he made a catch today, by the way. I didn't write about it. It was just a catch. It was, it was a nice ball. It was a nice catch. And uh, Jacob Hollister's still out. Uh, he's got a back injury. He watched most of practice. And then you got Tommy Sweeney and you got Nate Decker, who's been, been around. And then now the Bills are adding in Bug Howard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't have super high expectations for Bug Howard. Uh, I, I think that he's a guy that's going to come in here, probably try to compete. He's been on three or four teams already. I, I think I read Carolina um, and a few other ones. Quentin Morris had a bad drop today. Mm. Um, so a guy that we really liked in the spring so came out today. Obviously pads aren't out yet. Um, um, so yeah. And somebody's uh, commenting, not throw with the tight end position. It's one of the worst tight end groups in the league. And even oh. if that's the case, I mean, there's some bad tight end rooms, mm-hmm. but even if that's the case and you make that argument, fine. But on an offense that's so predicated on the receiving position and with how much the targets go, I know that this is, a repetitive thing. I don't know if you're going out and bringing in tight end that like, even look at Kansas city, look at San Francisco. They have star tight ends because in a lot of ways, because they don't have a lot of depth at wide receiver. Mm. I mean, the chiefs have some players. They had Sammy Watkins and obviously Tyree kill is one of the best receivers in the, in the NFL, but look at San Francisco historically during George Kittle's run, they haven't been very strong at receiver. And I think that in a lot of ways, they, that offense needs that production from the tight end position. I, I'd make an argument that the Bills offense doesn't need that elite production from the tight end position. Yeah, and absolutely. And the 49ers since then have improved with, with yes. uh, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Uh, but you're right, for a, a big period of time that wasn't. But let me say something. I like Bug Howard. I love Bug Howard. Do you want to know why? Boom. He watches the Shout Buffalo Football podcast. He retweeted the uh, DeMarco episode, a segment nice. of it. So he, he's a watch. He's a viewer. Wow. So we're a fan of Bug Howard if he's a fan of us. No, uh, in all seriousness, <laughs> Bug Howard is a actually a pretty good athlete. He's a he's a solid hands, not much of a blocking uh, tight end. Played at UNC, um, played with Mitch Trubisky actually at UNC. So he has a little bit of history there and maybe was a suggested uh, signing from Trubisky and a few other guys that have some UNC ties. But not high expectations. I mean, I think right now Hollister's injury, we don't know anything too specific, but I think he's expected back in in the near future. I think that's fair to say. They like Dawson Knox. They like Tommy Sweeney. I think that's going to be your trio. But if Bug Howard has a good training camp and impresses in these next few weeks with these expanded practice squads, who's to say that he's not put on that practice squad or signed to the practice squad later this year? Uh, you mentioned Nate Becker a few years ago. Buffalo's tight end room was dropping like flies at training camp and they had to sign Nate Becker and he showed up. I saw the fly. I saw he's here for the bug segment. Uh, Nate Becker was brought into training camp and I want to say his first practice was the day I was, I was out there covering it and and he made a few plays and he made a few catches and I said, okay, you know, that's pretty impressive for a guy that doesn't even know the, the playbook, doesn't even know anything about this team. He was just literally brought in and sure enough, he did enough in that few week span to make their practice squad. And he's kind of been on the practice squad since then. So no, I don't think uh, bug Howard has any realistic expectations of making this 53 man roster, but any player that impresses in this given window of time could find themselves on the practice squad. And that's one step away from being on the main roster. So, you know, good, good for bug Howard getting this opportunity. We'll see what he does with it. Final thought on this for me is, you know, going into last season, the Washington football team, I think they still had Jordan Reed on their roster. I can't remember when he retired. Um, did he step away before COVID? I can't remember. Whatever the case may be, it was not the Jordan Reed that you remember from five mm-hmm. or six years ago. There was nothing scary about that tight end room, right? Over the course of that season, look 
at what Logan Thomas turned mm. into and look at what he earned himself, the contract that he earned on the other end of it. We're only a few years into the Dawson Knox career arc. Okay. And listen, he might end up being just what he's been, but you can't say that for sure. And so I want to see one more season of him. Now, if they can go out and get Zach Ertz and the deal works out and you add him in the room, I have no problem with that. I think adding him in is actually interesting. And, you know, maybe that makes sense. And maybe that, maybe that some way you can figure it out to get him the ball and still kind of develop the Dawson Knox. Because I think, that, you know, tr- historically speaking, they've, they've worked in two tight ends pretty seamlessly, you know, for the most part. But I just, I, I'm not at a point where, I'm jumping off a bridge if I'm a Bills fan because of the tight end room situation. No, and you mentioned they, they the offense goes to the wide receiver room first and foremost. Dawson Knox uh, was not a college player that was uh, a big part of his offense there. So he really hasn't had the opportunity. He, he needs these first few years to kind of get things going. Now, if he has an unproductive year this year, then yes, by all means, um, maybe the Bills move on in terms of finding someone that can be their tight end one in, in 2022. But give this kid a shot. He has the great athletic traits. He has some uh, what, what you want in terms of the speed, the size, um, the athleticism at the position. So give it another year. Let's just see what he can do given the opportunity. It's pizza time, my friend. It is. We uh, we got – what did you guys eat today so far uh, uh, some chicken uh tender baskets at the zoo okay all mm-hmm. right very nice well we're staying in the chicken family we're getting some wings we're going to uh marcel louis jacques favorite place all around place i think um I, I he likes the 9-11 wings and i think he has a pizza place too but he loves macy's place pizza and we're going there we got we got 50 wings coming we got we're, we're mixing up we got the hot honey mustard we got barbecue we got medium we got hot italian um and then we got a pizza coming as well i'm not sure where that which direction they went in that so we'll tweet pictures you know it's gonna be i, I think my wife um and maybe our, our families went to go get them i don't know because they said 40 minutes and we're at about 38 minutes so i went to get them that would be <laughs> really exciting if we walked up there and the wings and the pizza were there so this has been a great show live and in person we are going to do it again tomorrow Maybe live and in person, maybe uh, from separate situations. We'll we'll see how that uh, plays out. But thank you to Tops, our our uh, sponsor. Tops loves local. Tops is proud to partner with over 200 local growers to supply Tops with their freshest homegrown fl- fruits and vegetables. Produced, picked this morning, can be on your table tonight. For Ryan Talbot, Matt Perino in the same studio. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care, everyone.